Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wild Enrichment Podcast, a podcast about zoos, aquariums, animal enrichment, and everything in between. I'm your host, Kyle Benton-Jones, zookeeper, animal lover, enrichment builder, and creator of wildenrichment.com. This is the Wild Enrichment Podcast. Enjoy. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wild Enrichment Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about... uh, a topic that I just wrote a blog post about. So if you want to go into more detail and uh, you know uh, have this in a sort of text format, then you can check out my most recent blog post. And that blog post is, Are You Leaving Welfare on the Table? Uh, so this is a sort of concept uh, thought experiment that I've been thinking of uh, a little bit. And I think that it is uh, you know useful for any animal care professional to be thinking about and to sort of uh, go through this thought experiment uh, as it might, you know, illuminate some of the habits that you've been forming and some of the routines that you've been doing, uh, you know, these areas that you might be, uh, you know, not delivering the sort of uh, optimal experience for the animals that you're working with to make sure that they, um, you know, have this welfare baseline that is where you want it to be, you know. Uh, a lot of the time, you get stuck in these in these sort of routines, and uh, you know, it's the same thing in your house. If you have a pile of clothes in your room and you pass it every single day, um, you don't actually really notice it. Eventually, you just stop seeing it, uh, and there could be, uh, you know, that sort of pile of clothes uh, with the animals that you're working with. So um, it's really this is a sort of thought experiment uh, that you know, will hopefully illuminate some things, uh, some areas that you might be quote unquote, leaving welfare on the table. Uh, so, you know, what does, what does that even mean? What does leaving welfare on the table mean? Uh, so, you know, leaving welfare on the table is an adaptation of an old saying, you know, leaving money on the table. This, you know, generally refers to not negotiating a salary aggressively enough, or, you know, not taking in advantage of an opportunity to earn more money or charging less for a service that you're providing, you know, than the known going rate. So you're leaving money on the table when you do these sort of things. Uh, and I, I'm sort of thinking that welfare should be thought of in the same way on a daily basis. You know, it's something that you have to earn and really work for uh, when you're taking care of an animal. Uh, you know, and and you got to take advantage of these welfare opportunities. Uh, you know, that could be beneficial to the animals that you're working with. You know, for example, if you aren't providing an animal with daily enrichment experiences, you're definitely leaving welfare on the table because we know that daily enrichment almost always results in positive welfare outcomes for the animal. So to help make sure that you aren't leaving welfare on the table, uh, you know, I've divided sort of the five categories that I think really result in the most welfare being left on the table. And those categories are institutional husbandry standards and practice, daily enrichment and training, exhibit design, team dynamics, observation and surveillance. Uh, And and those are really the sort of topics then categories that I think are, uh, you know, the most uh, where the most welfare is being left on the table. And, And I don't think by any means this is a uh, exhaustive list by any means. So there's definitely more areas that are important. These are just the ones that I, you know, see time and time again as uh, the biggest offenders, uh, you know, when thinking about this sort of thing and when thinking about how to improve the uh, welfare of the animals that I'm working with. 
So let's start with institutional husbandry standards and practice. So institutional husbandry standards and practices are a category that I think results in the most welfare being left on the table. Uh, the main reason for this is that these standards and the institutional mindset as a whole regarding animal welfare, the, the, that affects every single animal on site, either positively or negatively. You know, often regardless of the individual efforts as an animal care staff, um, you know, if, if your institution isn't putting it forward, there's only so much you can do as an individual uh, to really, you know, uh, improve the animal welfare of animals at that institution. So, uh, and that can be, I mean, extremely demoralizing for, uh, you know, the, the zookeeper working with these animals, working for this institution. Um, but also, like, this affects every single animal on site. And eventually, if, if you're staying at that institution, you're going to get beat down. And, and then, you know, animal welfare might not be on the top of your mind anymore. So I thought it would be good to sort of start uh, with, with this topic. So, you know, I'm not saying by any means that, you know, animal welfare is the only thing you have to think of when you're running a zoo. Because there's many aspects of running a zoo that are still extremely important, you know, revenues, visitor satisfaction, employee satisfaction, and, and employee safety, you know, visitor safety. These are all super important things and can f sometimes force your hand uh, when you're running a zoo to uh, make a decision that might not be, you know, strictly a result in positive animal welfare. Um, Still, in order to ensure that welfare isn't being left on the table, animal welfare needs to be held at the same level as a lot of these, uh, you know, stakeholders uh, and often take priority in decision making. Uh, there needs to be someone at that sort of decision ta making table uh, that is the animal welfare person and the person that's advocating just for animal welfare, because this really needs to be monitored. And uh, sometimes there's decisions that are made that aren't uh, intentionally going to affect animal welfare, but it happens. Everybody, everybody's experienced that, you know, so it really needs to be woven into the culture of the animal care institution that, you know, animal welfare is uh, one of the most important things when running, you're running an animal care institution. So animal welfare has to be always at the forefront of everybody's mind. You know, with animal welfare at the forefront of an institution's mind, animal care management needs to empower their staff to make animal welfare a priority and make sure it is held in the highest regard by everyone involved in animal care. You know, there can't be exceptions to this. If a manager or supervisor does not a particularly manager and supervisor does not have animal welfare at the forefront of their mind. They can make positive changes in animal welfare hard for their staff to make, which in turn will negatively affect staff morale and satisfaction. You know, we were just talking about this. Uh, you know, we were talking about the institution as a whole, but if you're working for a supervisor that, that really doesn't have animal welfare at the top of their mind, uh, it, it, it's going to have the same sort of effect. So an institution needs to make sure their managers and their supervisors have this at the, at the forefront of their decision making and are really making sure that they are listening to their staff, uh, the people that are seeing the animals every single day, day in, day out, that they're putting well animal welfare at the front of their minds. So um, and, and make sure they're empowering them to make these decisions on the daily basis that are going to result in a positive uh, animal welfare change. You know, uh, management also needs to clearly communicate animal welfare standards and practice that are expected of animal care staff and hold people accountable at all levels. 
you know, if they're not meeting these standards, uh, they need to be held accountable for that. And that needs to be clearly communicated to everybody that's working with an animal. You know, if, if you're, if you're hearing the phrase, oh, they're just old school and don't believe in training enrichment, blah, 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 blah. Everybody's heard that. That's a sign that the accountability process is not necessarily in place and welfare is being left on the table, making exceptions for people, uh, just because, you know, they're worried about getting their feelings hurt or something, uh, it, it can't be a thing when we're talking about animal welfare. It's not something that we can compromise on. So daily enrichment and training. So we're not going to actually spend that much time on this because, you know, I've written tons of articles and I've, you can look through, back through the 20 plus episodes of uh, podcasts that we've done. And we've talked about this in just about every single episode. So, uh, you know, it, this next category shouldn't come as a surprise. Um, you know, some animals may not need to receive training and enrichment every single day to be in a positive welfare state. However, they should be receiving an appropriate amount of enriching experiences in a given time frame to maintain that welfare state. Or if, you know, if it's a welfare state that you're not exactly happy with, uh, they need to receive uh, training and enrichment to elevate that welfare state. These enrichment programs should be goal-oriented and assessed continuously in order to ensure that there's no welfare being left on the table. Priority trading should be provided to animals uh, where learned behaviors such as voluntary injection, blood draw, and crating could prevent undue stress and injury during medical procedures and routine examinations, uh, as these going poorly could sev sometimes severely affect the welfare of an animal. So, you know, uh, this doesn't come as a surprise. Training enrichment is good for animal welfare. So uh, this needs to be, you know, not doing this every day, even if the animal doesn't necessarily need daily uh, training enrichment. There's um, definitely animals out there that don't, um, you know, by not doing it, uh, you are leaving welfare on the table. So that's a sort of uh, pros and cons thing that you need to do every single day. Uh, you know, obviously when you have uh, when you're animal care staff and you're looking after a bunch of animals at uh, at once as part of your routine, you might have to make some sacrifices, but those should be measured sacrifices and you should make sure um, that it's sort of being thought through. Okay, so uh, exhibit design is the next area uh, that I'd like to talk about. Um, if an animal's exhibit is not designed in a way that positively affects its welfare or is built uh, with just public viewing in mind, then an animal's welfare is going to suffer often regardless of other efforts. You know, uh, I, I see this all the time when people are asking me to, to work with them to, to help a specific animal. And, you know, the exhibit that they're housed in is really not meant for them. It's, it, it's subpar. Uh, it's not going to result in positive welfare. And, and really when you're trying to, um, you know, just throw enrichment out of it. That's not the problem. You know, it's, it's the exhibit. So you're just, like enrichment and stuff in, the, in situations like this are really just a bandaid and albeit a, an effective bandaid quite often, but it's still just not uh, something um, that's going to result in a proper welfare state uh, for, for anybody involved. So the exhibits really need to be designed in a way uh, the animal welfare first, because this is where the animal is going to be 24 hours a day. Uh, that's a long time. So, uh, you know, they really need to make sure that that these exhibits are appropriate. Um, you know, there's institutions need to make sure that an, 
the appropriate animal welfare stakeholders are participating in the process from beginning to end. You know, too often um, sacrifices are made in the design process of these exhibits uh, without including the right people to advocate for the animals that know their natural history. And uh, that can really, really affect animal welfare. And, you know, it, it it's not only important, uh, it, like, to, to think about these things, but especially in the initial design phase uh, of the exhibit, because it's generally much easier to build around these animal welfare needs initially then have to add retrofits down uh, later you know uh, to when you find out there's a big problem that's going to result in subpar welfare and you're going to have to make those changes anyway so uh, making sure that these things are are designed properly um, or making those retrofits uh, to to result in better animal welfare those are those are super important things so uh, exhibit design is definitely one that uh, I think is super important and one that I wanted to talk about. Um, the next topic that I was going to mention is team dynamics. Uh, this doesn't necessarily always jump out to people as one that should be on this list, but I really think it should because, you know, taking care of an exotic animal is, is no easy task and it takes a team of highly motivated and passionate people to do it right. And, and that's really why I've included team dynamics on this list. You know, these are questions that you should be asking yourself uh, about your team. Are they functioning at a high level? Do you know all the strengths and weaknesses of yourself and your team? You know, is your team comprised of the right people in the first place? Everybody needs to be passionate about the animals they're working with and needs to be a good fit for the rest of their team. You know, uh, it, a, a lot of the time in animal care, we're working with small teams and you know, if you're with four people and, and one of those people is not a good fit and uh, that's that's 25% of your team that's not a good fit and that can really, really bring you down. And uh, when you're sort of down in the dumps because of your team, it can be very, very hard to prioritize animal welfare. Just it's not the right state of mind to be uh, providing um, stellar world-class animal welfare to the animals that you're working with. So you know, the answer to those questions is really important to know when you're trying to figure out if you're leaving welfare on the table or not. You need to be able to count on your team members to make daily decisions and take the daily actions to make sure the animals in your care are receiving the best care possible. Your team also needs to create an environment and a dynamic where new ideas are welcomed and change is not only possible, but easy. Animal welfare is dynamic and can change very quickly. So a, the team that is caring for them needs to be able to change as well. You know, uh, a lot of the time in, in this industry, we're getting uh, an influx of summer staff and seasonals and things like that. And quite often I've found throughout my career, these people are, are going to, again, we're talking about the, the pile of clothes uh, in your bedroom. You know, these are the kind of people that are going to be able to see those things that you might be missing every single day because you see uh, the same things every single day. You get blinded to those things. Uh, these seasonals are, you know, going to be super passionate, motivated, and and potentially see those things that you're missing. So, uh, you know, making your team a very open, um, inviting place for those new ideas, for those, especially those seasonals, to you know make those decisions and voice their opinions is is super important uh, to animal welfare. And I think, um, you know, making your team nimble and an ability to change. Uh, very quickly is is something that's going to go a long way when it comes to animal welfare as well. So uh, the next topic is observation and surveillance. Uh, I've done a whole podcast on this, written uh, 
uh, some articles on this, uh, so this doesn't shouldn't come as a surprise, but the f this is the final area where I think institutions leave a lot of welfare on the table, um, and it, it simply comes down to the fact that they're not observing their animals enough. You know, it's hard to take, and I know it's hard to take time out of your day uh, to actually watch an animal for a specific period of time. Um, and, and a significant period of time, especially when you have other animals to care for. You know, as, as keepers, we develop these sort of rose-colored view um, with, with when we're looking at an animal's life. Uh, we bring them food, we set up enrichment activities, and we train them. But uh, when you aren't there, there could be serious welfare problems that you aren't even aware of, including stereotypies or a negative reaction to a stimulus. You know, that's why I always recommend institutions set up a surveillance on as many animals as they can, because footage from this can, uh, you know, really tell you a lot about uh, the animal's welfare. Like you can see your animal can look totally fine every time you're going out there and feeding and when you're doing your normally normal routine. Uh, but, you know, at 3 a.m. they could be getting up and there could be a light that turns on across the across the road and uh, that could set them off on pacing pacing for the rest of the night and you'd have no idea so you're you know you're prioritizing these animals wrong you're making the wrong decisions because you don't even know there's a, there's a stimulus that's that's creating these bad reactions and and stuff like that so you know i like to i like to say um, well, i like to ask people you know do you know what your animal is doing at 3 a.m. most nights and if you can't confidently answer this question, uh, you're, you're leaving welfare on the table. And that's just, uh, and it's hard to do and it's hard to set up surveillance and hard to, uh, you know, go through uh, the actual surveillance footage and create these baselines. But, you know, I, I, I've talked about this before and uh, creating a baseline um, through watching this footage and understanding what your animal is doing to make sure there's no uh, problem areas or anything that's happening that you don't know of. You know, how's the animal interacting with the public? How, you know, how's, how's it on a busy day? How's it in the winter? How, you know, these are all things that are super important to, to know and something that's really, really challenging to know well without surveillance. So uh, observation and surveillance, super important and really the last area that I wanted to um, talk about when it comes to leaving animal welfare on the table. So, you know, this list uh, of focus areas is, again, by no means ex exhaustive. And there can be many other areas within an institution that can directly affect animal welfare across the site. But these are areas where I think the most animal welfare is being left on the table. You know, in, in order to ensure optimal animal welfare, institutions need to be structured and organized in such a way that animal welfare is at the forefront of the organization's decision-making and culture. Daily enrichment and training programs need to be robust, evaluated con constantly, and held in equal regard to other daily husbandry tasks. And these practices need to be carried out by a great team of people that are able to function at a high level day in, day out. Exhibits need to be designed in such a way that welfare over the long term is accounted for and never compromised on. Animal welfare is a continuously evolving science and proactively keeping on top of animal welfare needs to be at uh, the forefront um, of for every animal in the collection as well. And it's a tremendous undertaking, you know, but looking critically at the people and processes around you as well as your own skill set is a great place to start. And I think it's a super useful you know, a mental exercise to go through and one that I recommend that everybody goes through um, 
that, uh, you know, is taking care of animals that's working at these larger institutions or smaller institutions. So uh, if you go on to um, my blog page and go to the, the blog post, Are You Leaving Welfare on the Table?, um, I'll link to it uh, in the show notes here. I've also created a sort of uh, daily checklist um, that goes through some questions and some sample things that you can uh, sort of go through and uh, it'll sort of get you um, going through this uh, um, mental exercise here and sort of get you started on thinking critically about the routines and skill set uh, and people around you. So. Uh, definitely check that out. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I appreciate everybody continuing to listen to the podcast. I am um, very, very grateful. So uh, I will see you on the next one.